Well, good morning. I'm happy to be with you here this morning. I'm going to speak on a topic that I've never uh, chose to talk about before, although I'm, I'm sure I've talked about elements of it, but not the, and not in the way that I'm going to speak of it here this morning. So before we go on any further, should we bow our heads together for a word of prayer? Father, we are thankful that you have chosen us, and we ask that your Spirit would speak to us, and that you would give us a heart, a heart that performs out of love, a heart that functions intelligently, a heart that's sensitive to your still small voice. Please use my lips, use, use us today, and Lord, please help us in our worship hour here to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I would like to share this statement that I found with, uh, from the Spirit of Prophecy. It's taken from the book Education, and um, I never... I'm sure I've read this statement before, but it just stuck recently. I read it, and I thought, well, that's interesting. Here it is. It says, the Bible is its own expositor. Scripture is to be compared with Scripture. The student should learn to view the Word as a whole. Not just this one little segment here and a little segment there, but as a whole. Okay? And to see the relationship of its different parts, or of its parts. He should gain a knowledge of its grand central theme of God's original purpose for the world, of the rise of the great controversy, and of the work of redemption. He should understand the nature of these two principles that are contending for supremacy, and he should learn to trace their working through the records of history and prophecy to the great consummation. He should see how this controversy enters into every phase of human experience and how in every act of life he himself reveals the one or the other of these two antagonistic motives and how whether he will or not, he is even now deciding upon which side of the controversy he will be found. That's Education, page 190, paragraph 2. You might want to look that up later and just read over it because it's got some, some deep thoughts there to con- consider. So today we are going to take a look at these three great themes that are mentioned in this paragraph. So what's the first one? Did you catch it? Now, if you're like me, you probably didn't because I, I read over it several times and I, the last two I thought it no problem. But the other yesterday morning, I woke up and I think, what was the first great theme? All right, so now I'm going to ask you, did you catch the first great theme? Okay, that's kind of what I thought. You were like me. <laughs> okay. The first great theme is God's purpose for our world. God's purpose for our world. Okay. Now the second one is, did you catch the second one? Now, as Adventists, we're the only one that really teaches this one. So you should think about this for just a minute. What is, what is it that we have? We've even got a book named after this one. That's it. It's the great controversy. You got it. So the second, the second grand theme is the rise of the great controversy. Okay? Now let's go to the third one. Can you think of what the third one is? Louder. That's right. The work of redemption. The work of redemption. 
So, you know, honestly, I don't think I have time to really be exhaustive. In fact, I know I don't. <laughs> I don't have time to be exhaustive in this, but I'm going to touch lightly on it, and maybe it'll spark some thoughts in your own mind and your own experience. And you will, as you read the scriptures, you will keep that in mind. These three grand themes, themes, the purpose of creation of our world, or God's purpose for creating our world, the great controversy, and the work of redemption. Okay? So let's get into the first one. God's purpose for creating our world. And let's turn to your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We're going to read two verses, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Okay? And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own, what everybody? Image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So here you have this little biblical record of our beginnings. And we were created in the image of God. Now what does that mean to us? Well, let me give you a little clue. Christ Object Lessons, page 69, tells us that Jesus is longing and waiting for a perfect reflection of his character in his church. So, if you think about this, us being created in the image of God is a reflection of God. See, we are to be a representative of God. So, where do we get that from? Well, go to John chapter 14, verse 8. John chapter 14, verse 8. I like this verse because it really gives us this, and it's not, it's just, we're going to actually look at three verses here. It's just, it's so clear, and it really helps us to understand what our purpose really is, okay? Because Jesus is our example. So here we see it. John chapter 14, verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Right there it is, really clear, folks. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Now, wouldn't it be cool if, if everybody in our town said, If you know those Seventh-day Adventists, you know who God is. That would really be exciting, wouldn't it? Yes. And that's what Jesus was saying to his disciple, Philip. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And let's read on. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Okay, now let's go to another verse. John chapter 17, verse 1. John chapter 17, and this is the chapter known as Jesus' prayer. It's a, it's a very uh, 
special, special chapter, Jesus' prayer. And John chapter 17, verse 1 is where we will start. And you give me just a second. I'm going to open that up in my Bible as well here. Okay, so these words spake Jesus, verse 1, and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. What is Jesus telling here? What what is Jesus actually saying by these words? Because listen, as you look over this whole chapter, I've been actually trying to memorize this chapter, but this chapter is very difficult for me to really lay hold of because Jesus uses a lot of deep thoughts in this prayer. Thoughts that they're not our common, shallow kind of language, if you follow what I'm saying. They're deep with relationship. This chapter is deep with relationship. We talk about having a relationship with God. This chapter is full of relationship expressions. Okay, So what is Jesus saying here So about this whole idea, Father, glorify thy Son, so thy Son may glorify thee. What is he saying? Speak up nice and loud for me, because I'm getting a little hard of hearing. <laughs> Okay, a reflection of the Father? Yes. Like we read just a few moments ago. Anybody else have a thought on what that means to them? It means to me that Jesus wants to be the light of the world, and he's getting that from the Father. Okay, good. I like that. Anybody else? I think it also reminds us of what our responsibility is. You know, as Jesus came to glorify the Father, to reveal the Father, so you and I are the same. It should be our same purpose, our same goal, is to glorify the Father, to reveal the Father. You know, <laughs> in my work, I go into people's homes. I'm, I'm an HVAC contractor. I'm constantly uh, repairing people's equipment or air conditioners or heaters or, or whatever. And I go into a lot of homes, and I'll tell you, some of those homes, I went into this one home, and I just had to, I had to really discipline myself to stay focused on why I was there. And, and it was so, it was so, oh, oh, what's the word for it? I, I, where I had, to, I had to kneel down by this, air, this furnace, and while I was there, I had to, I had to swipe just, swash this German roach off of my leg. It crawled up my leg, you know? It was really, it was really uh, something I had, it was really tough for me, okay? But I had to take my mind and tell me, I'm here for a purpose and it has nothing to do with this stuff. You know, my purpose is to accomplish getting these folks' heater going. Now, I I share that with you, not to reflect on what I just went through, but just to show you that you and I have to realize we're here for a purpose, and we have to sometimes make sure that we're focused because there's a lot of distractions in this world. A lot of distractions. And sometimes we get really distracted about things that really are not important. Really not important at all. In fact, I, to be honest with you, this COVID is real. It's no doubt about it. But I still think it's a distraction. And, and you and I need to constantly be asking the Lord for his protection and committing ourselves into his care and trusting in him. 
you know, I have, all my life, I have struggled with ulcers. Ever since I was a teenager, I would deal with ulcers, okay? My mom had ulcers, so I inherited that tendency, all right? I can remember waking up at night, probably about 10 years ago, waking up at night and thinking, is this stuff going to kill me? You know? And I can remember claiming Bible promises. You know, through these great and precious promises, we become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And I'm, I'm sharing this with you simply because all of us have some weakness. All of us have some, something that just eats on us, that the devil uses to try to distract us. But you and I need to hide the word in our heart. Hide those promises in your heart so that when he hits you with those distractions, you have something to turn to. And it will help you to rise above the temptation, the trial, or the distraction. You know, God is in control. I have a lot of friends. I have two friends that have died with COVID. I know it's real. But if you allow yourself to be consumed by it, you become non-productive. You know? And so you've, we've got to lay hold of God's promises and go forward. If I live, great. If I die, great. I'm serious. It doesn't matter what happens to me because what, what's really important is that God be glorified. Amen. That he be lifted up. And you and I have got to keep that before us. Okay, so let's go to another scripture. Wake up my iPad here. <laughs> All right, so let's turn to John chapter 15, verse 1. This is another example of this whole idea of how we can glorify the Father. And again, I'm going to go back to my Bible and John 15, John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Verse 2, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. What is Jesus talking about? Fruit. What's he mean by more fruit? Fruit. I'm sure probably most everybody in this room has, tried, had, has some time or another raised something, a plant or had a garden or something. And I can remember one time having a garden. We lived for five years in Washington State, right Centralia, actually, I don't know if you're familiar where that is, but uh, we lived there for five years, and I was so amazed at how easy it was to grow food there, because I had tried, I, for years I had gardens here in the south, and it was nothing like that soil there. I mean, I had, we had carrots that were beautiful carrots, potatoes, beautiful carrots, but they did, potatoes, potatoes did have a problem, they had wire worms, <laughs> and finally I said, well, I'm going to deal with this. The chemical way, because I don't know what else to do. I was very careful with it, but I put it in the trench, and then I put my potatoes on top of it, and that ended my wire, my wire worms. <laughs> but I had broccoli, and I would, get, I would grow broccoli heads that were huge. I mean, they were beautiful. But I do remember one time growing some uh, Brussels sprouts, and they didn't really do that great. They, they really didn't do that good, you know? So Jesus is talking here, and he says, the Father prunes us so that we will bring forth more what? More fruit. One time, at, it, when I used to live in the south in Alabama at Uchi Pines. I don't know how many of you have heard of Uchi Pines. 
Okay, most of you, or several of you anyway. Well, Christopher, our farm manager, he had planted a bunch of okra, and it was beautiful, and it was just getting ready to be ready for harvest. And this was before we had a big deer fence. <laughs> and the deer came in one night, and they just ate all the tops of our okra. Just nipped all those okra. I mean, they just pruned them royally. I'm telling you, they just, we thought that was the end of our okra crop. But you know what? It wasn't. I think our okra crop doubled. Because what happened was all that shot up. And then we got more okra than we'd ever had before. <laughs> so our father is in the process of pruning us. And when it happens, boy, sometimes it hurts. It really hurts. And it doesn't, I mean, it just seems like the death of our dream, sort of. You know, it's like, what's going on here? But really, the father is in charge. And he knows what he's doing. And he doesn't do what he does in vain. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. They're thoughts of peace, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. You have to keep that in mind because really Christianity is about power, not our power, but God's power. You see? And he wants to infuse you and I with power. And the power is not to exalt ourselves, it's to exalt him. It's to glorify him. Which means he wants to give us a lot of love. Okay? Love for people that you just can't hardly stand to be around. <laughs> if you have any of those, by the way. You may not, but anyway. Uh, love for situations that are, are tough. My wife had somebody work at the school the other day, and they were so frustrated with the way it was. somebody had put these lights in, and, and it was just it was exasperating to them and my wife said I wish they hadn't even they hadn't even come because it was not a good experience for me <laughs> you know but god wants to give you and i power so that no matter what it is that he sends us to or where he sends us what into whatever it is he calls us to do he gives us power to rise above it and not to allow the situation to drag us down you, you see you know when you look at jesus when he was there in that courtroom the Spirit of Prophecy tells us in the Desire of Ages that it was a difficult situation for Jesus because he knew that with one flash of his glory, that whole mock of a trial would have been laid in the dust. And so, you know, you and I don't have that kind of power. Talk about trials. Jesus had serious trials. Because he knew he had the power to do that. But God wants to give you and I power, not to lay people in the dust, but power to show hope. Power to give encouragement. Power to lift the load, you might say. Power to reveal what the Father is like. Well, he goes on to say, let's, let's skip down to verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So why did they why are, why are they cast into the fire and burned? They're not connected. They're not abiding. Okay? They're not producing fruit. Let's go to another story. Uh, if you will turn with me to Excuse me. I I had some I was sitting up here and I thought of a couple of illustrations. Um, Matthew 21, verse 17. Matthew 21, verse 17. 
So the withered branches are cast into the fire and burned. Why? Because they do not produce fruit. Okay? Look at this here. Matthew chapter 21, verse 17. And we're going to read down to verse 21. And he left them, and he went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. And now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. And he said to it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, and they said, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered, and he said to them, Verily I tell you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this thing which is done to this fig tree, but also if ye shall say to the mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. You see, the fruit tree, this fig tree, wasn't fruitful. You see, it didn't glorify the Father. In fact, it actually pretended, it it flaunted itself as though it had fruit. Because the Desire of Ages tells us that this particular time in which this tree was, was a climate in an area where if it had full leaves, it should have had fruit. It was a type of, a species of fruit, a fig tree, that if it had full leaves, it would have had fruit. And she says it was an illustration of Israel. Israel was very religious. They acted as though they knew God. But they did not have fruit. And so the cursing of the fig tree was an illustration of what was going to happen to Israel if they did not become fruitful. And it's also an illustration to you and me. If you and I pretend or act as though we know God, we go to church on Sabbath, we sit in the pews, we pay our offering, we might even pay our tithes as well as our offering. We go through all the motions, but we don't really have love for Jesus we will be like this cursed fig tree. Which calls us to heart search. Which calls us to prayer. Because we really, Psalm 139 tells us, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And in another, Jeremiah tells us, he says, the heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked and who can know it? So you and I can't trust ourselves. We have to remember Peter. When Jesus told Peter, he says, Peter, you will deny me three times before the cock crows. And Peter said, no way, Lord. We're told that he believed that he he would not do it. And she says he did love his Lord, but he didn't understand his own heart. You see, he didn't understand his own heart. But if he would have said, Lord, you know me better than I know myself. Protect me from myself. He would have been kept. And that's good news for you and me. If you and I are willing to humble ourselves and go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know me better than I know myself. Save me from myself. Help me to surrender everything to you. Help me to bring forth fruit to glorify your holy name. And it will happen. Because Jesus says, you have not because you ask not. Which he says, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. You see, before sin entered our world, everything was in a state of rest. And before sin entered the heavenly realms, everything was in a state of rest. You see? And so sin brings unrest, 
But oneness with God brings rest. That's really what the Sabbath is all about. The Sabbath is all about us becoming one with God and therefore being at rest. Doesn't it feel good just to stop for a moment, take a deep breath, and just rest, knowing that he's holding us in his hand. He cares about us. Nothing touches us without his permission. We're told that in Romans 8, 26, 27, 28, 28 specifically. But 26 says, For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love him, them that are called according to his purpose. I remember one day was I was about 16 years old. I had my driver's license, and I was on my way to work at summer camp over here in Athens, Texas. And I, we were my my parent my parents had rented a house at Keene, Texas, for camp meeting. And this was Saturday, all Sabbath, all day Sabbath. I struggled with this burden. I just felt like there was something wrong, and I couldn't knock it. I couldn't shake it, and I couldn't tell what it was. But I just felt like there was something wrong. And so that night I slept on the couch in the living room and I, I prayed often. I went to sleep some, but I prayed often back and forth and slept and prayed and slept and prayed. And finally the next morning, I, I still didn't shake off that burden, you know. It was still hanging on my shoulders. And I got in my car and I was driving a little Mustang with all my stuff to go to summer camp and work as a counselor. And on my way, I got on the back road and this, this car got in front of me and it was going really slow. And I tried and tried and tried to get around this, this car. I couldn't get around it. And finally, this Lord spoke to my heart and said, Benny, this is an answer to your prayer. <laughs> and at that point, I accepted it, and I just relaxed, and that burden rolled off, and I had peace. I knew that God was orchestrating. Amen. You know, he, he, he knew, he, I knew he had that situation under control, and that burden just left me. You know, sometimes that's what it takes. It takes some wrestling with God. You know, to be able to get the peace that you need. Uh, Because sometimes we have a hard time really surrendering to him. You know, our human nature, we want to do it our way. You know, scripture says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. You know, that's what it tells us in Isaiah. And so the Lord is just waiting for us to come to him and give him permission to be God in our lives. To give us power, to give us love to give us hope and to give us courage and to give us healing, by the way, folks. Healing. And peace so that we can accept whatever his will is. You know, it's not always his will for us to be healed. But we do know that it is his will that we prosper and be, well, he tells us that. He says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. And yet, sometimes we wonder, why did bad things happen to Christians? You know? Why did John the Baptist lose his head? Because he spoke the truth, you know? And it was a real puzzle to a lot of the people in his day, you know? But, <laughs> well, there's an old military saying, I think that was, a friend, I worked with him one time in, in down in Florida, and he said, yours is not to ask why, but yours is to do or to die. <laughs> but there is a lot of truth to that. Even though it's not a total truth, <laughs> there is a lot of truth to that. You know, we need to let God be God. And we don't need to wrestle ourselves out of his hand. We need to trust him. However, whatever he chooses to do with us, it's okay. 
You know, it's okay. Because the thoughts he thinks towards us are thoughts of peace, not evil. He loves us with an everlasting love. And so he's calling you and I to trust him more, to trust him more, to depend upon him more, to claim hold, lay hold of his promises more, to walk with him in his word. Not just mentally, you know, I remember one morning waking up from my, I was actually in my devotions and I was reading, and I, I realized that I wasn't even paying any attention to what I was reading. <laughs> I was just reading. <laughs> And the Spirit of God spoke to me, and I thought, Lord, help me to, to listen. And as I was reading, about that time I woke up and I read Psalm 107. I think it's Psalm 107. Turn with me to Psalm 107. I have to wake my iPad back up again here. Yep, it is. It's Psalm 107. And it starts out with, what What does it start out with? Verse 1, what's it say? Give thanks, that's right. That's really important. I could tell you another story about that, but I, I, don't, I won't go there. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endureth for how long? Forever. Ever. He gathereth them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way, and that they might go to a city of habitation. And verse 8, together, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Now let's go on. For he satisfies the longing soul. He fills the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness and the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God. They condemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their hearts with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death. And he break their bands and sunder. Fifteen, all together now. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And you know, after reading this, I'm beginning to think, Lord, I'm looking too much at my goodness and I'm forgetting that it's not about me, it's about you. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. You see, when we get caught up worrying about ourselves and worrying about Worry, quarry. Remember what Jesus told us. He says, you're more valuable than the sparrows. So what are you worrying about? I clothe them. I feed them. I take care of them. You're much more valuable than they are. I'm going to take care of you. And so that morning, it dawned on me, God was speaking to my heart. It dawned on me that what he was wanting me to do was focus more on his goodness and less on my own. And we'll stop with that. You can finish reading this chapter today if you want later on. It's a beautiful chapter. And it repeats this thought several times. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And that's what God's looking for from you and I. He's looking not only just for uh, care about others, but he's also looking for thanksgiving from us. You know, he loves our affection. 
He, he loves to know that we care about him, that we love him, that we appreciate him. You know, he loves to know that our, our worship with him is not just a formality, but it's real. And you see, my time is up and I've only got point number one covered today. <laughs> oh, Father, we are, we are grateful, really, that you have made it possible that we could be restored to life. Amen. And we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the spirit of prophecy. And we thank you for our church. Amen. We thank you for this day that we've been able to worship with you. May you bless us and may you help us to glorify your holy name for the purpose in which you have created us for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.